Just touch your neighbor and say, it's time to take it back. Come on, tell them. Touch your other neighbor and say, you've been authorized. Tell them. Come on. Father, we love you so very much. We're so thankful for your presence felt in this place. This Thanksgiving weekend, we're thankful for you. Father, for sending your son, Jesus, we're thankful for you. And Jesus, for giving us the Holy Ghost, we're thankful for you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. We honor you. We ask for revelation now to flow freely in this house until we're not the same people we walked in as. In Jesus' mighty name, and the church said amen. Can we give it up for the online campus this morning? Let them know you love them this morning. We love you. We thank God you're watching us today. I want us to look at Psalms chapter 115 and verse, verse 16. Psalms 115, verse 16. It says this, the heavens, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. Read it one more time. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. So if God has given us the earth, then who does it belong to? Us. Here's the principle. Whatever's been given to you belongs to you. And the one who gave it gives you the authorization and the access to it. Now, I just want to just say a few things before I get too started. Maybe a quick little analogy. Now, I, I have a nice car. Let's just say God spoke to me and said, give your car to Tom, Elder Tom. And he said, amen, amen. And so I got my car keys together. I got it all polished and shined up for him and all detailed and all that kind of stuff. And I was going to give him this car. And I said, Tom, you know, it's going to come to you and just on this certain day, maybe it's Sunday today, and I'm going to give you. And I have my car keys, and I hand him the car keys, okay, to my car. And I give him the car keys. Now, whether he's taken possession of it or not, whether he's ever drove the car before or not, whether he's ever been even close by the car or not, the moment I said, it's your car, and I give him the keys, who does it belong to? So if I ever want to use the car again, I can't just go, well, I got a separate pair of keys over here, and I'll go to his house, and I don't have to knock on his door. I won't even bother him. I'm going to jump in uh, the car and take it because, after all, it's my car. Whose car does it actually belong to now? Belongs to Tom. So what would I have to do? I'd have to ask Tom permission to use the car that I gave him. Why? Because I totally and completely gave it to Tom. The earth, the Bible says, God says the heaven is heaven. God's, God has said, mine is the heaven and the heavens thereof. He said, but the earth has been to the, belongs to the children of men. I should read it. Amen. Let's try to put it back on the screen one more time. Jesus, help me. Lord, help me. I saw a bunch of movement at one time and took away my concentration. Hallelujah. Eee, there we go. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth, the earth he has given to the children of men. Therefore, it belongs to us. Everybody say, it belongs to me. Well, uh, if Tom says, you know, Pastor, the car's a little bit dirty now, I'd like for you to go ahead and get that cleaned up for me. If you would, and I really like the way you had it shined up for me the first time you gave it. Can you go ahead and send that through the wash for me? I'm going to tell Tom no. And why am I going to tell Tom, why am I gonna tell Tom no? Because it don't belong to me, it belongs to him. So if you say, God bless me with a brand new car, how many believe that God's going to wash your car for you? How many believe God's going to change the oil in your car for you? How many believe God's going to rotate your tires on your car for you? If it belongs to you, you are what? Responsible to take care of the car. Whatever God gives you, God gives you and then makes you responsible for it. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. What does that mean? 
That means that we're to function like God and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them. He empowered them to prosper. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. And have what, church? Dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. He said to have dominion. Dominion means supreme authority. This is what God said about you and I, to have. Supreme authority. It means to rule. It means to take possession of. It means to take over. It means to claim authorization. We'll say it one more time. Dominion means supreme authority to rule, to take possession of, to take over, and to claim authorization. In other words, God has authorized you to have dominion over every area of your life. Well, there's not, uh, there's, maybe there's too much month than there is money coming in. You've been authorized. When the bank threatens to repo your car, you've been authorized. When you've been overlooked for a new position or job opportunity, You've been authorized. Everybody say, I've been authorized. This idea of dominion authorization doesn't sound like a backseat position. Actually, it seems to me it puts you in the driver's seat. When you are the rightful owner of something, you act and you react differently. If you don't believe me, try it this afternoon when you go get some lunch after church. Let's say you go to a Mexican restaurant, which y'all like to go to eat. You go in there, and while you're walking by somebody's table, while they're chit-chatting, and they're eating their chips and salsa, minding their own business, just take a chip off their table, dip it in their salsa, and just keep on smiling while you're eating it. And see what they do. See the reaction they give you. They're going to look at you like you must be losing your mind. Why? You, they're saying, you took that from my table. This is my table, and those are my chips. Because when you have ownership of it, you react differently to other. No, oh, I'm preaching better than don't believe me this afternoon, go to the movie house, y'all. And then go ahead and put your feet on somebody's chair and start wiggling your toes over their head. See the reaction you get. They'll be looking at my chair. This is my space. Don't believe me? Take the last bite of your wife's food. Come on, somebody. And see the reaction that you get. My plate, my food. Come on, talk to me, son. You got to get bold. And when you know that you have ownership and you know who you are and you know whose you are, you will get bold about what you have. Boldness is the instinct of ownership. Instantly. Matthew eleven twelve 12 says this, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, say violence, and the violent what? Take it by force. Now, the word take it, those words of the word Greek means is har, harpazio. In the Greek, harpazio. And it means to snatch quickly. Take it up quickly. When you own it, you take it. And then it says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And the word violent is the word biazio. And it means this. It means intense. It means fierce. It means bold. So the kingdom of heaven says, I know who I am. I know it belongs to me, and I take it quickly out of boldness because I know this is for me and for my family. So if God has given you a word, 
If God has ever given you a promise, then why are you being so laid back about it just saying, oh, one day it's going to happen? I'm preaching better than you want to shout this morning. You need to turn your apathy into appetites. Get your hunger back. Be bold and take back what belongs to you. Take back your promises. Take back your family. Take back your hope. Take back your passion. Take back your enthusiasm. Take back your dreams. Take back your vision. Take it back. You've been authorized. Slap your neighbor on the hand and say, you've been authorized. Tell him. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Church, if we want God to show up and show out, we've got to get bold. Not worried about what anybody thinks about us. Get bold. If they want to sweat, let them sweat. If they want to crack a joke behind your back, go ahead and let them do it. If they want to misunderstand you, let them misunderstand you. you got to be bold with who you are and where you're going. And that's what someone who has authority does. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us therefore come mildly, timidly. It says come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It takes boldness to talk about God on the job. It takes boldness to talk about God at the grocery store. It takes boldness to talk about God in your doctor's office or when you're telling your doctor, no, I can't receive that report. My God is a healer. It takes boldness to talk about God at your bank. But that acknowledgement causes God to move on the scene. That's why Proverbs 3 says in verse 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways. In all your ways. What? Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. If you're a little bit lost in life, you got to say, in all my ways, Lord, I still acknowledge you. No matter what I'm, where I'm at or what I'm doing, I acknowledge you. Why? I want God to come on the scene and move on my behalf. This God still is a God who does miracles. This God is still a God who will bring a breakthrough. This God is still a God that will make a way where there seems to be no way. All he wants from you is some acknowledgement. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. That's when God comes on the scene. That's when God will move on your behalf. That's when God will make a way. That's when direction will come back into your life. Got confusion? Acknowledge him. Been a little bit sad lately? Acknowledge him. Don't got enough money to pay your bills? Acknowledge him. Let him direct you. Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything we do, you got to bring God into it. Everything we do, we bring the Lord Jesus into it. God's only need for his power to come is your faith. And how we know you have faith? When you're talking about him, when nobody wants to hear about him. People of faith will irritate you, man. How many's ever been down? And you just want somebody to talk to that's also down. So y'all can kind of cry the blues and talk about how bad life is and somehow it just makes you feel good on the inside to 
just kind of talk because flesh, you know, it's all flesh. And we talk bad about other people so we can feel good about us. Bad news goes a long way with some people, right? They like that bad news. They want to hear all about it, right? But, boy, it's hard when you're down and you want somebody to just sort of feel sorry for you and pat you on the back and say, you know, uh, I understand where you're coming from and all that stuff. You want, but I tell you, it's, it's hard sometimes to get around a person and say, get out of here. This is ridiculous. Who do you think? Aren't you a man of God? What does the word of God have to say about your situation? I can't believe you're putting up with this stuff. Look what the word says. And they make you go back to the word. Make you go back to the word? I want somebody to cry with me. Oh, but the people of faith are the people that can turn the tide. The people that believe in their God are the people that see the most miracles. The people that believe that God's actually able are the ones that get the breakthrough. I want to be surrounded by people, even in my darkest hour, even the most time I'm almost down in my life, with people say, come on, look what the word says. If God before you, who can be against you? Now get up. First time I ever preached, my dad had me to preach on a Wednesday night, and he was away as the church was brand spanking new, and, and uh, we, just, we had just started the church in, in Beloit, and so uh, we were just months into it, and he said, yeah, son, I want you to take the church on a Wednesday night. Well, I had never preached before. He said, you can do it. You can do it. I thought, oh, Lord. I mean, I wanted to preach. I felt called to preach, but I had never preached before. So I knew a couple weeks out in advance or whatever, and I started asking God to give me a word, and every day went by, I never got a word. He wouldn't give me a word. I, I need a word, Lord. Now it's a week out. Okay, this week I got to buckle down because I worked, I worked a full-time job, and, you know, I had to find the time to put things together. And back in those days, I didn't have, like, I didn't have, like, all those years of experience to draw from, you know. So I had to, I had to spend a lot of time in preparation. So I, and I said, Lord, give me a word. He didn't get a word. I got nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing. Now it's Tuesday night. Oh, Lord Jesus. Tomorrow's the day, and I, I'm not, I want to be prepared. I've got nothing. Woke up uh, that morning saying, Lord, I need, I need something. And so I figured I'm going to put together this lesson. All I can do is like try to get it done um, in the afternoon at work and then a little bit before at, you know, when I get home before church service. So I get, I'm, at, I'm at church. I'm at, uh, I'm at the job. I can't get nothing. So I go into the bathroom. I start to pray and intercede in the bathroom, lock myself in there in the, at work. And I'm saying, oh, Jesus, I need a word from God. And next thing you know, I start feeling bad, right? Like, oh, no, I'm unprepared. This is terrible. And I start crying. Now I'm on the floor. I'm on the floor. Because I, I heard when you lay prostrate, that's when God will hear you. I laid on the floor in the bathroom, y'all. Disgusting. Laid on the floor in the bathroom. I'm crying. I'm crying, crocodile. God, I need a word. Oh, God, I need a word. Jesus, help me. You know, that's what I'm doing, right? And um, I'm crying like crazy. And I heard God. You know what I heard God say? Exactly this. He said, get off this floor and wipe those tears. I didn't hear him say, oh, son, I know you feel bad. But let me, re- let, uh, let me offer you this word of help in the season of time that you need. I heard, I heard none of that. All I heard was get off this floor and dry your eyes. I said, yes, sir. I jumped up. I'm dirty. I'm wiping stuff off. I'm wiping tears off my face. He said, now go and preach grace tonight. I heard the Lord preach grace tonight. I said, all right, I'm going to preach grace tonight. Where should I begin? He gave me absolutely nothing, zero. I got nothing. 
I got home. I found a concordance, looked up grace. I found one scripture in Zechariah that talked about grace, speak the mountain. You speak grace, grace to the mountain. I thought, well, that's, I, got a, I got a scripture. I thought it'd give me more. I got nothing. I got nothing. I got two things on a piece of paper. First thing says, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. The second thing said, turn to Zechariah, whatever it was. That was it. So I'm shaking in my boots. They're announcing me, and I'm scared. I'm still scared, but I'd heard the Lord. Speak grace. So I got up there, and I mean, finally I got up there, and I'm, I don't know what happened. I don't know how to explain this to you, but the moment my hand hit that pulpit, the anointing of God came all over me, and I preached for an hour and 15 minutes on grace. I told stories, made people laugh, got them crying. I had none of that before. That's why I completely, 110% always rely on the Holy Spirit and not expertise to get to this pulpit to talk to you. It's got to be under an anointing. He's got to fill my mouth. Amen, somebody. So get off your floor, dry your tears, and get yourself a word from God. It may not be the exact words you want, but it'll be all you need and he'll anoint it and bless you and get you through your season. Somebody say amen. Here's the deal. If God gave you authorization, then it belongs to you. And if it belongs to you, then God needs permission to have access to it. Now, don't run out on me and say, oh, my God, what are you saying here? God needs permission. God don't need no permission for me to do anything. No, you, you misunderstand what I'm trying to say. You see, if God gives it to you, it's yours. He gives you your life. You can do with your life what you will to do with your life. You can never serve him a day of your life. That's up to you. Or you can give your whole life to him. That's up to you too. It's choices. God puts it forth. It's called freedom. And God gives you a promise. And God gives you a, a, a word. And God wants to be a part of your life. But he needs permission to get involved. What is it that gives God permission to get involved in your life or give him access to your life? It's called prayer. Oh, I said it, P-R-A-Y-E-R, prayer. Churches don't talk enough about prayer because you're talking about prayer, people check out. That You know why? It's because we got a bunch of Christians, help me Holy Ghost this morning, I'm going to be nice, that are immature and if you don't have romper land on top of the platform, they ain't hanging out. If everything ain't smoke and lights, they won't hang out. But I'm not trying to raise a church of immature people. I want a church of mature people that are ready to fight and do battle for the kingdom of God and for his will and purpose on earth. Amen. Everybody say, I pray. Somebody did that by faith, but amen. It's going to work. Prayer, prayer, prayer. I mean, the, even preachers don't pray enough. Classical Pentecostal preachers pray about eight minutes a day. Thank God they're praying, but that ain't enough. We need prayer because prayer is what gives God access, permission to come into your world and change. So when I say give God permission, understand me, we need him. We can't live this life without him. But he's not coming into your life until you open the door for him to walk in through. Am I right about it? Prayer causes a humility in our lives. We humble ourselves before God. We're telling God, I can't do this alone. 
Look what it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It lays it out. If my people, that's you and I, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and will forgive their sin. I'll heal their land. When they pray, I'm just trying to break it down for you, that's when I will walk into their world and I will cause a change to happen rapidly. I'll hear from them. I'll hear uh, for them and from them, and I will I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land or their lives. He said, "I sought for a man." The Bible says in the book of Ezekiel, "I sought for a man to stand in the gap, but I found no one." When God wanted to change Israel, He didn't just come down from heaven and change Israel. He looked for somebody who would offer up intercession on behalf of Israel to bring God on the scene to make the change. When God wanted to deliver his people, he sought pity upon them and heard their cries and and wanted to deliver his people out of the bondage of Egypt, God didn't knock on the door of Pharaoh and say, let me in, I'm Jehovah, and I want my people out now. He didn't do that. But the Bible said he sought a man by the name of Moses and he said, talk to Moses in the burning bush that didn't, wasn't consumed. And in it, he said, you're going to deliver my people out of cruel bondage. And Moses says, when I talk to Pharaoh on your behalf, uh, who will I say that sent me? What did he need? He needed authorization. He knew he couldn't just go before Pharaoh without authorization. He needed the authority, the key authority to do it. And so he said, you tell him, I am has sent you. So he walked down there in the door, knocked on the door of Pharaoh, said, I need a meeting with Pharaoh. Who is it? Don't worry about who it is. Just know who sent me. I am sent me and said, let my people go. He's talking in the first person now. So when he talks to Pharaoh, he's talking to Pharaoh like I am. So if God sends you and you're made in his likeness and in his image, and he sends you, it's as if God showed up himself. I can't get no help today. So when you walk into any situation, you just walk in, I am has sent me. And because I am here, God is here, and God can make the difference. I have been authorized. That's why he said, let the poor say, I am rich. Let the weak say, I am strong. I'm taking back my dominion over my circumstances and my problems. That's boldness, y'all. And boldness is really what we would call aggressive faith. Look over at Luke chapter 18, verse 2. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city. And she came to him saying, get justice for me for my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. (laughs) Lest by her continual coming, she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said, and and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Though he bears long with them. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? This woman will not give up. 
She knows that he's got the answers that he, she needs and she will not let it go. Though she knows this man fe fears no man and doesn't even feel, fear God himself. She, so, she said, but he has the authority and I need the authorization to get what I need. Let me make this statement. Self-consciousness and intimidation are the enemies of your miracle. So if you're always walking around, well, if I get loud, though, uh, who, you know, I, 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 I feel intimidated by that. Someone might, might put me down. I, I, I'm self-conscious. I, I don't know what, what, what people think about me if I do this. But I'm here to tell you, it's those that do that that get the blessing of God because it's an aggressive faith. It's saying, I know I need this from you. I know I can get this from you. Look at Luke, Luke chapter 11, verse 5. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. Church, sometimes you have to be a bit of a troublemaker to get your breakthrough. You can't be intimidated. You can't be self-conscious. The door is now shut, and my children are, are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though, he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence. Everybody say persistence. persistence. He will what? He will rise and give as many as he needs. So I asked you, not because he's his friend, but because he won't let it go. I ask, I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Persistent people prevail. That was the message I preached in 2000, way back. We are just a young church, just a year old, as a church and a school building. And we are putting on a big performance called a Heartbreak Hotel. And it was going to be a big evangelistic tool. And I don't have time to talk to you about what it was, but it was a powerful play in production. And so it was our very first one. And we did good the first week, but the second week we had all these people invited to come, and, and, and there was a water main break in the school. So we get there, and they said, look, we're sorry, but you can't have your performance because there's a water main break, and by law we can't even let you in the building. I said, well, 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 we got all these people coming. Sorry, you'll have to cancel it. We can't let you in the building. And it's Sunday, after all, and we have nobody will even give us any clearance to give you the, uh, the ability to get in the building. And, and we said, but we got this performance coming. Wouldn't move. I called the, the, all the leaders of the church and said, we need to pray. Everybody prayed. We got them on the phone. We started praying. God's going to do a miracle. Well, did you cancel? Nope, didn't cancel. Should you cancel? Probably but we made a decision. I was preaching this message. Persistent people prevail. Either we're going to live by it or we're not going to live by it. Either we believe it or we're not. I said, now, Lord, we're not doing this for us. We're doing this to get win souls into the kingdom of God. So, Lord, we need your help. We asked you, Lord God, to give us, and we started praying. Give us the breakthrough. We had prayed. I, I sent my guy back at the time. His name is Steve. I kept sending him back. I said, ask him, uh, what, what about what if we did this? What if we provide everybody with water bottles? And, and he got back and said, that's nice, but that's not going to work. I said, well, tell him this. Um, what if we had water bottles and we had porta potties? So nobody had to worry about the water. They could just take care of themselves outside. And, and, we, and they said, man, that's really a good idea, but I don't have the authorization to do it. So finally I said, Steve, ask him who does have the authorization. Who, we're going to make amends. We're going to make this thing right. You know, we don't want anybody to get hurt or nothing. But, you know, we got a performance to put on here. And he called me back and said, well, this is the guy we got to call. So Steve ended up calling that guy and said, look, this is, what, this is what we're going on. The guy said, I'm sorry, I can't do it for you. I said, give me the number. Yeah. And I called everybody, everybody pray, pray, pray. 
I called the guy up. I said, look, I know you already said no, but I told him the whole story. And I said, you're the guy that can give me yes or no. Man, you ain't going to let those people down, are you, today? Come on, this is for God. We got to do this for God. Sooner or later, the guy, the guy started shaking. He, started, he was getting kind of upset with me at first. I thought, he's not going to give it to me. After a while, he kind of broke down and said, I tell you what. I said, oh, Jesus, I got him now. He said, if you're in by this time and out by that time, you can have the building. I said, we'll make sure it's done. He said, you're going to have the porta potties? Yes. You're going to have the water? Yes. All right, I'll give you clearance. And we had a performance, and people got saved that night. Now, faith is the assurance. That's what Hebrews 11.1 1 says. It's the confirmation, the title deed of things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. That's where we were. We're not giving up because we have this. God has, God has offered this to us and we're going to do it. God can't evict the devil off your promises until you show him your title deed. Now, I don't have a long time to preach on that, but that means you got to know some of his word. Because his word is the title deed that promotes your faith in that action. Somebody say amen. You've got to use your faith to take possession of what God has promised you. Boldness is not passive. Boldness is passion. I'm going to close with this, 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14. Are you all getting something so far? Elisha had become sick with with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the church of Israel and their horsemen. And Elijah, Elisha rather said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. And then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hand, hands on the, hand, the king's hands. And he said, Open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you have destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Passion is boldness, and boldness is passion. This man lacked passion. He just got out there and struck three. He said, strike the ground. But he had the passion of, of a warrior on this side of him. He had struck the ground knowing this is attacking my enemy. I'm prophetically, I'm striking the ground. You gotta strike that bad report. You gotta strike that divorce. You gotta strike that depression. You gotta strike that anxiety. You gotta strike that shame. You gotta strike that poverty. Strike it! Show some boldness. Show some passion. Take it back. Why? Because you have been authorized. Everybody say this after me today. I'm taking it back, and I have been authorized in Jesus' name. Now give the Lord a shout of praise about it. Come on. Hallelujah. With him, it is possible. With him, you are overcoming. With him, you are going to get your breakthrough. Amen and amen. I'm telling you what, I had fun studying this because this fired me up on some things. 
that you find out, I don't care who you are, you'll lack. You will lack. I, I, I mean, I'm a man of God, but I'll tell you what, there's times I think, wow, I just let that slide. Like I didn't even check that in. And so I'm finding out, man, I got I to gotta get back to using my authority again. If you get a no from somebody that you know is not supposed to be a no, I mean, you really know it in your heart, then don't stop. Why does one report mean that now you stop? Find or talk to the one who can give you a yes. So when they say no, go, well, who, who's over you? And they ain't going to like that. They are not going to like that. I don't like people going over my head. Do you? No. But it is what it is. Who's over you? Well, uh, my general manager. Okay, get him on the phone. Give me the number. You talk to the one who can give you an answer. And you have a higher probability of getting a yes than a no. But most people won't. They won't, they won't ask. They won't seek. They won't knock. Now, let me teach you the spiritual part about it. Who's above the general manager? Well, the district manager. Okay. Who's above him? Well, the CEO. Okay. Who's above the CEO? Well, you know, uh, IRS, government. Who's above all that? God. Ask. Seek. Knock. Ask, seek, knock until you are authorized. I would like to tell you that you just pray one time and it's over with. It takes asking. It takes seeking. It takes knocking. Sometimes God will have you pray for a full year over something. Because that's going to break through. It's gonna, it's gonna, that's the kind of miracle you need. Sometimes it's one prayer. Sometimes it's your faithfulness. Sometimes it's many years. It's wherever your faith is, you got to get aggressive. You got to get aggressive. Someone say amen to that. 